0: His eye is on the sparrow. He's watching over us, and we're going to see a great example of that today in the Book of Mark. So, if you have your copy of God's Word, I would love for you to turn to the Book of Mark, chapter twelve. We're going to be starting at verse forty-one. We're going to finish up chapter twelve today. I know, feel like it's been forever, but it's such a good chapter. It's got lots of stories in it and teaching moments. Um, we're going to be looking at verses forty-one through forty-four, the end of the chapter, at a very familiar story that demonstrates a very eternal truth, the f- faith of selfless devotion. What does that look like? It's still Wednesday of Passion Week. Jesus is still in the temple. We've been here for, seems like forever, but it's Wednesday before he's crucified on Friday. He's teaching in the temple courts. And he's just finished, as we talked about two weeks ago, warning the scribes and warning the people about the scribes and what, they're do- what they've done. And one of the things he mentions in that is the fact that they devour widows' houses. And so he now sits, and he's watching from across the courtyard the temple, box, the treasure boxes, the boxes for the offering. And he sees a widow. He sees a widow come and put something in. Now, also, you need to remember that this is Passover week as well for the Jews. It's leading up. It's preparation for the Passover. And God told them very clearly in Deuteronomy, do not come to my house without something in your hand. And we're going to see what this widow brings. Let me read this passage, and we'll uh, explore it a little bit with some object lessons. Sitting across from the temple, treasury, he watched how the crowd dropped money into the treasury. Many rich people were putting in large sums. Then a poor widow came And dropped in two tiny coins worth very little. Summoning his disciples, he said to them, Truly I tell you, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. For they all gave out of their surplus. But she, out of her poverty, has put in everything she had. All she had to live on. Let's pray. Father... I love this story. I don't know that I'm always happy with the conviction it brings to my heart, but I know that you are giving us this word this morning for our own souls, for our own hearts. May we hang on to the true meaning of what this is about, and may it change our hearts and grow our our spirits to love more, to follow you closer. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. My two ushers will come. We're going to do something a little different. I'm going to pass an offering plate, and you're going to get to take something out of it. You're going to get to take something out of it. These are replicas of the two coins that this lady put in the box. So please take two of them each, every person, take two when it comes by you. These lepta coins. Lepta is the plural form. Lepton is the singular form of the word. These two coins are made out of copper, and they are Jewish coins. They are not Roman coins. So they're worth one quadrans, which is one, one 64th of a denarius, which is one day's wage. So these coins each represent about four minutes of work in a work day. They're very simplistic. These are made from archeo- archaeological discoveries. They're made where, and, and replicated that way. But these coins were the ones that Jews would exchange their Roman coins for so that they could give to the offering at the temple. So these coins couldn't buy very much. They, even if you had a whole bunch of them, they wouldn't worth very much because you would have to exchange them for Roman coins to purchase anything. And so this is what she had. <laughs> this is what she had left in her wallet that morning. Yes, they're so small, it's hard to get a hold of them. They're tiny. I know this is probably the first time that you've ever taken anything out of an offering plate, which is a good thing, which is a very good thing. I do know some people that made change in the offering plate once, and that was probably embarrassing. But these two coins represented all she had, they're small. It's a small amount, but in Deuteronomy sixteen sixteen, God said, "Don't come to the house, my house, the temple, without something in your hand." So she's doing what she can to fulfill that. Now she does this, and the disciple and Jesus calls the disciples over, and he points out to them, he points out to them what she's done, and he speaks to people who already believe in Jesus, who already are trusting him to a certain degree, yet for those who don't know Jesus as their Lord and Savior, it also speaks to their hearts as well. So this morning, the idea that we're going to get from this passage of Scripture is that that Jesus captures an object lesson, an object lesson of complete surrender, complete surrender to him, complete surrender to God by this little, poor, I don't know if she was little, poor widow, this poor widow who holds nothing back from God. And the sermon point this morning is that Jesus calls us to cultivate a heart of faith that surrenders everything. Surrenders everything to him, to his purposes. That's the point. Jesus calls us to cultivate a heart that is obedient to him no matter what. We're going to talk about that. So how can we cultivate that heart? Well, we're going to see what this widow did. She had two attitudes about her. She basically carried with her two attitudes to do this. The first one is that her heart never wavered from obeying God. Never wavered. Look at verses 41 through 42. Sitting across from the temple treasury, he watched how the crowd dropped money into the treasury. Many rich people were putting in large sums. Then a poor widow came and dropped in Two tiny coins worth very little. Now, in the original Greek text, they put in the actual coin names. She dropped in two lepta, which was worth a quadrans, which is basically, like I said, one sixty-fourth of a day's wage. So <laughs> he sees this. And Jesus watches, he's watching the givers. Now, he's not trying to police them, I don't think. I don't think Jesus is there trying to condemn them or judge them. And then there was, the, he sees the widow put in the small gift. He sees the people putting in the large gifts. Now, this was a regular part of worship in the temple of God. Deuteronomy 12, 26, Malachi three ten says, bring in the tithe to the whole storehouse. So this is a regular occurrence. It's common. These boxes were in what's called the women's court of the temple, a specific area that women could go and worship. And they, they, these were probably across the courtyard from Jesus. Now, sometimes when someone dropped in large sums of money into these things, there was a trumpet played or an acclamation done. Um, that's why we don't want to do that kind of thing. But that's one of the things Jesus condemns if you go to Matthew chapter 6. But there was always some fanfare. But this poor little widow brings her two coins up and puts them in there, and nobody notices. Nobody says anything. But Jesus notices. Jesus sees. And here's what he saw. He saw someone that had probably been affected by the scribes' devouring of widows' homes. He probably saw someone who was, he obviously saw someone who he knew was very poor. So I want to take this time right here and let's kind of use our spiritual imagination, if you will, and think about her situation. Because you know what? Widows are special to God. There are a plethora of verses throughout the Bible about how we are supposed to care for widows and orphans. She was no exception. So she decides to take an offering to the temple. I'm going to the temple today on Wednesday I'm going to go and give my offering for Passover. There won't be as big a crowd because it's not Passover week. It's the week before Passover. I can probably slip in and do that. She she decides to take an offering. She may have traveled to Jerusalem to participate in Passover. She may not live in Jerusalem. We don't know. She may have traveled there. But she's thinking the whole time, I'm going to take an offering. So she opens her wallet, her money bag, looks inside, and all she finds are these two lonely coins. That's all she finds, two little lepta. She thinks, probably, like I said, we're using our imagination. She thinks, wow, I thought I had more. Wow, that's not very much. Man, am I going to give this to God? That's all I've got. She's thinking, probably, it's a small offering, but her faith and her obedience motivates her to go anyway. Motivates her, and she's a, she knows it's important. She knows that God has called her to give. And she knows she's not supposed to come empty-handed. She may be coming just to worship, but she knows she's not supposed to come to the house of God empty-handed. So she grips those two coins in her hand and takes off, and she prays as she goes. I believe she's praying the whole time. She hears in her mind the echo of the law, Bring it to me. Bring this tithe to the storehouse. Don't come empty-handed. And she remembers the promises of God, that he'll take care of her. She's remembering all the promises we just read in Psalms 103. She's remembering that he will take care of us, all the benefits of worshiping and bussing God. So she decides to give God what she can. Her heart puts God first in all things. So off she goes. And as she's walking through the crowd and through the city to get to the temple, I'm sure she's passing many temptations to spend that money. I mean, there were, there were, it was beginning to be the week before Passover. There was probably lots of markets and bazaars going on and people selling things all along the path to where the temple was. So she's, she's being tempted. Her stomach may even actually have growled on the way to the temple. But her faith in God... Her trust in Yahweh, her reliance on Jehovah-Jireh motivates her to press on. She doesn't give it an option. She doesn't second-guess it. So she approaches the temple, and she probably thinks for a second, man, if these scribes see me bring this puny little offering, they're going to ridicule me. They're going to condemn me. She probably stops at at the opening to the women's court. Thinking that, and then walks in. She decides to go on, so she's got to walk all the way across the courtyard. These offering boxes were somewhat trumpet-shaped. I think primarily to keep you from getting your hands inside the box, but you put them in these trumpet-shaped boxes. Uh, shofar was the word that they used. And she sees those across the way, and she walks. As she walks over, I'm sure she's just hoping not to be noticed, not to have anybody see me someone may have asked her as she's walking through that courtyard do you have the right money do you have jewish coins do you need to exchange coins i think she would probably just ignore them and press on she didn't need to exchange her her coins because they were already the jewish coin she's not deterred she steps up to one of the boxes and gently releases both coins into the box And as she releases them, I'm pretty sure she prays. God, I trust you for my next meal. And I know you will provide for me. Please help me. Now remember, I'm using my spiritual imagination. That's not in the text. That's not in any of the text. Um, Luke talks about this same offering. But then she walks away thinking nobody saw. But Jesus did. But you know what he saw? He didn't see someone giving all their money. He saw someone's heart who was fully devoted, fully committed to following him. Her actions revealed that she's fully committed, that she trusts in God completely. We have plenty of illustrations of people doing this. For example, Noah. Noah starts building a boat when he's never seen a drop of rain. He's never seen an ocean. He's never seen a river, probably. But he starts hammering away, building a boat for 120 years, people making fun of him, What are you doing, Noah? Abraham. God told Abraham to take his one and only son up on a mountain and sacrifice him, kill him. Abraham didn't argue. He got up early the next morning and cut the firewood for it. Walks up the mountain. He never argued with God over that. Mary, when the angel came, said, you'll be pregnant out of wedlock by the Holy Spirit. She said, well, how can this be? But she never really negotiated with the angels. You sure you got the right person? She never said that. See, full devotion to God's way comes from deep conviction that his way will always be better, that his way will always be right and righteous. Philippians 4.19 says, My God will supply all my needs according to his riches and glory. She trusted that verse before it was even written. Matthew 6, Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. And even chapter 11 of Hebrews, where the writer of Hebrews lists this long list of heroes of the faith, people who amazed us, David, Abraham, Moses, Samson, Gideon, all those guys, And then he finishes chapter 11, and he goes into chapter 12, and this is what he says. Therefore, remember, if you see a therefore, look above it to see what the therefore is there for. Therefore, because of these, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the the founder and perfecter, of our faith who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of god the throne of god you know what that little lady right there became a hero of my faith right that minute when she gave it all she didn't she didn't quibble about it at all she became a hero of faith she looked to god and she found peace in her poverty and Jesus was the source of that peace. So how do we apply this this fully committed point here? Well, lifelong obedience starts with faith in Jesus, in your forgiveness, in your salvation. If you don't have that first, your actions are just works that don't get you anywhere. They're always going to fall short. Jesus changes the heart first. He changes our heart first to radically Trust God in any situation, in any circumstance. And we trust him because we're grateful for what he's done. We have not forgotten the benefits of our God, what he's done for us. So look at these two lepta that you have in your hand. And I want to ask us some questions this morning. What areas of your life are you not trusting God? Are there fears? Are there hesitations? Risks? that hamper your devotion to God? Are you afraid to apologize to somebody because you think it's going to make you weak? Are you afraid to admit you're wrong to somebody or your own errors or to correct some ill words you spoke earlier to clear up bad feelings? Are you afraid of that? She wasn't. Are you hesitating to help somebody? Are you hesitating to reach out with words, to reach out and comfort them, to offer assistance, to walk through tough times with them, to change your behavior. Are you hesitant about that? Afraid it's too much? It wasn't too much for her. Are you afraid of risking embarrassment? Afraid of risking awkwardness to talk to someone about Jesus? You're afraid of giving too much or getting in over your head, caring too much? You know, last week Jeremy talked to, to us and challenged us about our words. Sometimes we need to say things and sometimes we don't need to say things. But we need to have a heart that changes. We need to trust God at his word. She did. His promises never fail. They may not meet your agenda. They may not meet your idea of what promises are to be kept. But he always comes through. He always comes through. Full commitment only begins with a heart that never gives a second thought to obeying. His words suffice. The memory verse for this month. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. So you can believe them. You can obey them. You can follow them. You can be fully committed to them. You can give it all to him. So she was fully committed to obeying God, to faithful obedience in her heart. And now she acts on that conviction, fully invested. She's fully invested after this next two verses. Follow as I read this. Summoning his disciples, Jesus said to them, truly I tell you, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others, for they all gave out of their surplus. But she, out of her poverty, has put in everything she had, all she had to live on. So Jesus, like I said, calls the disciples over. He wants to give them a lesson. He's about to make this a statement of truth. He says, truly, I say to you, whenever you see Jesus say that, pay attention to what's coming next because it's important. Truly, I say to you, he makes this a valuable truth. She put more in the offering boxes than the entire sum of everybody else that gave that day. She put more. She put more in. How can he come up with that number? What kind of math is Jesus using? This is a lot less than people were putting in. Well, let me explain to you. What is Jesus using to compare her gifts? He's not using an earthly calculator, he's not using earthly comparison, he's using an eternal comparison. It's not quantity of offering, it's quality of the offering, of the gift. See, and then he explains, for the others gave out of their surplus. Their surplus. They looked at their checkbook first and said, oh, I could probably give eh, and come up with a number. They didn't sacrifice anything. They didn't risk anything. They gave from comfort, not conviction. Yeah, large sums are expected from people who are blessed. I'm not going to deny that at all. Large sums should be expected. But they should be also given with humility and grace, No trumpets, no fanfares. Don't let the left hand know what the right hand is doing. But she, she gave from her poverty. She did not look at the emptiness of her wallet to decide, but she gave what she had. Gave it all. Held nothing back. She literally gave all she owned to live on. There was nothing in her hands afterwards except obedience and trust. Her life, all she had, her livelihood, that's what the last phrase here means. All she had to live on, everything that would support her life, she gave. She probably still had clothes, she probably still had a house or some shelter, some place to stay, but she had given all that she could possibly give. Anything that she could give, she had given. She invested her last coins in God and her life on God. See, she invested what she had in her hands in God, knowing he would return whatever she gave, but she put her entire life on God's hands, in God's hands. And Jesus, this is what's so beautiful, Jesus sees her gift, her sacrifice, her devotion to God. He sees it. He sees it. And he also sees the condition of her heart. He doesn't see the act of emptying her wallet. He sees the heart that says, I'm emptying everything I have. And that's why it was more than all the others. She didn't hold back. Her heart was right. See, Jesus is looking at the heart, not the coins. He's looking at the heart, not the wallet. But let's look at her heart just a little bit more. I want to I point something out if you haven't realized this. She had two coins. She had two coins. Two. You know what a tithe is, right? A tithe is 10%, which is less than one coin. So she could have given, she could have given One coin. 50% tithe? That's generous, right? When we start talking percentages, she could have given one coin. And she would have been legal. She'd have been technically right in the scribe's eyes. She gave all she had, she gave 50%, so she gave more than the tithe. And no one would condemn her, but she gave them both. She gave them both. She didn't hold back one. Okay, well, 50%, that's good, and I'll put the other one in my pocket. She didn't. She gave them both. Her heart was fully invested. She realized in her heart that God could do so much more with that extra coin, those two lepta, he could do so much more than she could do with one. Matter of fact, it wouldn't even buy her anything probably to eat. It would only be a portion of what it would cost. She knew that even holding back one lepta would never feed her and sustain her. But if God owns it all, she knows giving him them two coins will make all the difference. And she was safe and secure giving them up. Her heart was fully invested in God. She didn't doubt. She didn't waver. She didn't hesitate. She didn't worry about the risk. She surrendered her needs to God and what she had left into the treasury, she had the faith of selfless devotion. And that's a perfect example of what that is. A faith that's selfless, that devotes everything to God Almighty, is what she had. You know what? And I'm sure, and I, I, would, I would bet my paycheck on it, she was taken care of. God took care of her. God provided for her. I don't have to doubt that at all. I mean, she still might have died a poor widow, Maybe. We don't know. She may not have been rich in this world, but she was rich in the next. She was rich in the things of God. Amen? Yeah. So like the little boy in the feeding of the 5,000 in John chapter 6, the little boy who had five loaves and two fish, he gave it all up to Jesus. And Jesus took that little bit of portion of bread because it wasn't like five loaves like we think of a loaf of bread in this grocery store. These, these were little little flat pieces of bread. They called them loaves. He gave it all up. And Jesus fed 20,000 plus people with that bread and that, that fish. 20,000 plus people. See what happens when you give everything to God? But the fact of the matter is, is this isn't about Money. I know many of you probably heard this passage preached on and taught from a standpoint of give, give, give your money, give, give, give your money. That's not what I'm talking about this morning. As a matter of fact, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 is what I'm talking about. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. He will feed you. He will care for you. Abraham, like I said, sacrificing his son Isaac. He's about to do it. He's got Isaac bound on a a stack of wood. He's about to thrust a knife through Isaac's chest. And an angel tells him to stop. And the angel said, do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God. Seeing you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. It's about the heart. It's always about the heart. No matter how much money you can put in the treasury, it's always still about the heart. Does God expect you to give everything up for him? Some of you may be thinking that right now. Pastor's about to ask me to give up everything. No, I don't think God expects you to give up everything. He does expect you to allow him access to everything. To allow you... To allow him to use whatever you have. See, God never needs money. Don't y'all realize that? God never needs our money. He's, he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He owns the hills. He owns the potatoes growing in the hills. He owns the stars, everything. He doesn't need our money. He wants your heart. That's what God's always after, is our heart, our devotion. God expects us to be good stewards of what we've been given, yes. He expects us to manage our households well, to track our resources and our finances. But he also calls us to be ready, willing, and able to meet needs, to give honor to him in our actions, to obey him in all matters. Be ready, willing, and able to do that. God calls and equips us with whatever he's given us, but he calls and equips us with hearts to make him first in all things. Honor him in all actions. Obey him in all matters. That's what Psalms 103 was talking about this morning. And so many times we find ourselves in a pickle because we didn't stop and check our hearts. We didn't stop and give God a chance to examine our own hearts and tell us, no, you're thinking about this wrong. You're going about this wrong. Like sometimes when we speak too soon or say something we shouldn't say. It gets us in trouble because we're not putting God first. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. See, a heart fully committed and invested in God We'll find time and we'll find the means to seek God's will in all matters. In Matthew 7, 7, Jesus says, Ask and you shall receive. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened. We're so lazy we won't even ask. We won't even seek to find out what God's will is for our hearts. Give God full access to your heart. That's what this is about. She had it from the very beginning. She was fully committed. Give God full access to your life. Every nook and cranny of your heart, every bit of your life that you're holding on to, it's like, well, this is my little thing I want to keep. God can have the rest. Nope, he wants it all. And you can only do that by reading your Bible and praying. I can't talk you into it. I can't yell you into it. I can't make you do it. You have to spend time with God and see that he is a greater God than you can imagine. That's what this lady saw, this widow. She saw that God is bigger than my two coins, my empty wallet. Don't assume that God has nothing for you to do, nothing for you to give, no way to use your time, treasure, or talents. This poor widow didn't assume that her two little coins were too little. She gave it without hesitation. So this week I want you to take these two little leptas home and try to find a place in your house to put them where you see them often and make it, make, let it make you think about, what am I holding back? What in my heart am I hanging on to? Ask God to, every time, what, what am I supposed to be giving up? What's in my heart that shouldn't be there, God? And give him time to show you. His word will show you. God calls us to be open-handed with our lives. He calls us to, to grant him full access. So we need to take time and pray about it. What would it take for you to be fully invested in God like this widow was? What would it take? She made up her mind to obey, and then she followed through with her actions. As we conclude this, her, de- her devotion came from her faith. And I want to reiterate, okay? I don't want y'all running out of here today saying, oh, the pastor just wants us to give all of our money. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying that at all. This passage is not about money. It's not even about generosity. It's not about giving. It's about our hearts. It's all about the heart. And Jesus points this truth out. He points this truth out in this widow's life two days before he's going to give his all for our sins. Just two days is less than, 20, less than 48 hours. He will be dead. His human heart is fully committed and fully invested in what God wants. And when we trust Jesus for forgiveness, he gives us a new heart that we can surrender to him completely, 100%. God desires to lead us to eternal blessings by committing fully to him. That's what he desires. He's not looking for you to give up your money just for the sake of giving up your money. He's looking to change your heart. D.L. Moody, a 20th century evangelist, He said this once, he said, the world has yet to see what God can do with a person fully committed to him. And then he added, by God's help, I aim to be that person. This widow concluded the same thing. She knew God could use those two coins better than she could. So this morning, as we enter our pastoral prayer time, take some time to pray about your own heart. To fully commit, to give God complete access to whatever's in there. To let him ring you out in a sense. Ask God to help you fully commit in this time of prayer. We'll have a time of silent prayer. If you want to come to the front and pray, feel free to do that. After that, I'll close this out. So let's have a time of silent prayer.